Hello, welcome to Soul Binge Podcast. If this is your first time experiencing the program, you have picked an excellent way to start the journey. We are doing our very first interview today. As you can tell by the title, I had the awesome opportunity to take time and speak with my father, Jeff Reddy, and we just sort of had an open, fluid conversation about different experiences that he has had, how all of his life really leading from one thing to the next has led him down a really awesome journey and he's learned a lot from it and he took the time to share some of those experiences and some of the things that he has learned with you and me today super super blessed to be able to do that and I hope it's the first of many interviews obviously it's a little bit longer than our normal average episode but that's okay we ended up talking for a little over an hour just about life and we had some specific questions that we wanted to ask him too And it was just a really awesome conversation and really fun for me to get a chance to have what is normally a regular conversation with my dad like that and then then turn it into really an interview for you guys to listen in on. So if you're willing to dive into it with me, continue to listen. And coming up next, we will have the first ever Soul Binge, hopefully the first of many uh, Soul Binge interviews. Please welcome with me a conversation that I had with my dad, Jeff Reddy. Here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Soul Binge Podcast. Man, I am super excited about what we are doing today. As you can tell by the title, we are doing our very first interview. If you've listened to the previous episodes, you'll know that I've wanted to do interviews on this program since we started. I think it's very, very important that we bring other voices into the conversation, not just so that it's more than my voice you hear for 20 to 30 minutes every week, but sharing perspective, sharing experiences, and um, you know, just sharing life with each other can help us to see the world more clearly, I believe. And I figure there's no better way to kick off the interview uh, portion of this show, this podcast, than to interview my dad. So my dad is actually on this uh, episode, this recording right now with us. Uh, say hello to the soul binge nation that may or may not exist. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here today. Awesome. Very excited that you're doing this. Thank you for being interviewee number one, I guess. <laughs> it's an honor. <clears throat> All right. So here's how we're going to kind of do things. If uh, if any of y'all have ever somehow tapped into our phone call conversations between myself and my dad, then first of all, that's weird. And don't do that. But if you haven't, then you should know that a lot of our conversations don't really need a lot of probing to get going and and the potentials of chasing rabbit holes and just kind of making it fluid and natural is what we do. And that's how we want to conduct our conversation today. It is supposed to be very open to talk about ultimately what the soul needs to make it survive and thrive. That's the, uh, I guess, root of all of our episodes so far, and that's the plan going forward. But in order to kind of kick things off so that we have a certain path to follow, I guess, um, since most of y'all may or may not know 
listening to this episode who my father is. I figured we would start off with question number one here. And let's see, let's see, let's see. Can you describe your background before God, church, or Jesus came into the picture? All right, well, um, actually, as a as a child, I guess you would say, I was uh, taken to church pretty regularly, um, but didn't really understand everything as I was pretty young. And, and then as an early teenager, by that time, I 12 or 13 years old, I had lost interest and kind of did my own thing. I'd go when they made me go, but uh, would find every excuse not to go. I kind of got involved with maybe the wrong people. It's funny, my my mom thought I was being influenced by my friends and hanging around the wrong people. But if you were to ask their moms, I was the wrong people that they were hanging around. So I don't know who was influenced <laughs> who, but um, the bottom line is I got involved with alcohol and drugs at a pretty early age. And by the time I was 19 or 20, had a pretty severe addiction to drugs at about a $500 a day drug addiction. Uh, and that was, believe it or not, over 30 years ago when $500 was really a lot of money. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, that's kind of where I was. I was selling drugs in order to keep my finances to where I could support my habit. Went through a couple of pretty traumatic things that started me on a search for God, I guess you'd say. Um, without too many details, I, at 17 years of age, I witnessed uh, a double murder and spent most of the summer in a court trying to um, not be lumped in with the, the bad guys, but also not be on a hit list when they got out of prison several years later. Yeah. So it was an interesting experience, but um, that kind of set me off on a search. I I realized that if I were to not survive that situation, what would my eternity look like? And I didn't really like the the possibilities. So it took about three years, but at the age of 20, I, I started going to a church. It was the United Pentecostal Church there where I grew up in Mississippi. And, you know, to be honest with you, I um, had run pretty hard for all the things I wanted in the world. And so when I got into church, I didn't quit running. I just changed directions as they would say. And, uh, cool. not very long after that experience, I went to a Bible college and, um, been in the ministry for over 25 years now. So it's really been a roller coaster ride, so to speak, but, uh, just trying to help other people who may be in that same situation that are wanting help. Um, Obviously, I um, I can't help people who who don't realize they need to change. But those who want it, there's a way out and there's a path, and uh, that's my that's my goal to help as many people as possible. So where that's led to, I mean, I've been involved with church work and ministry for, like I said, for 25 years and done everything right. from. Um, taught the youth class all the way to pastoring a church and started a couple of churches and planted some different, you know, I was uh, there, I was there for one of those. Yeah, you were, you were a huge <laughs> part of it. In fact, uh, 
I was a member. Yes, you were a founding member. You always Come on. have that to to fall back on. But uh, not only that, but you were one of our main musicians at, a, I think, nine years of age. You were our drummer, <laughs> and uh, that was huge. So, no, we had some great experiences and saw some good things happen. Re- most recently, I, uh, I've been involved with the Multicultural Ministries, which what that means is, uh, you know, there's missionaries that go all over the world, and they do a great job of reaching people in other countries. But the reality is people from all those other countries have moved to North America. Right. And so our ministry is designed to uh, reach out to them here and maybe help churches recognize the, the need in their community among other cultures. And so I've been working with cultural groups, um, Filipino Americans and Burmese Americans, Chinese, there's all kinds of different groups I get to work with all the time. And it's really exciting because, uh, you know, everybody's different, but reality is everybody's the same. We all have certain needs. We all have certain wants and we want to be recognized and cared for and those types of things. So, um, well, and I actually wanted to, to kind of get to that here in, in a minute, but before we do, so with that type of background, um, I mean, you can really you can really say that a lot of life was lived before you were even 18, right? Like there was right. there was experiences that maybe people, no matter how long they live, uh, don't go through or experience. And obviously, that's not to say that they're worse off or better off necessarily. It's just not their story. But what's cool about it, and something that I've thought about a lot, because of course. You didn't grow up in, uh, you know, China. Obviously, that's like okay. Of course, you didn't grow up in China. But your mm-hmm. background and your experiences, as drastically different as they might be from even maybe what a lot of people consider a modern day minister, right? A lot right. of your background is severely different from uh, the common idea for someone like that, and yet you have still somehow managed to find your way ministering to people whose background you have no experience in. Like, right. you don't know what it's like. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know what it's like to be uh, in the middle of, let's say, the horrible discrimination against Christianity in North Korea. Like, just to name off some one example. Right. Like, you don't know personally what that's like, but has there been, because of the life experiences you've had before and the fact that there has been, I guess, such a change from one into the other has that helped you at all to see um or maybe not see but has that helped you at all to recognize when someone else doesn't know how to fit in because their background doesn't match the church culture that they found themselves in now right i think that's a good question and and i would say on the overall basis yes and the reason i say yes is i believe that because of my experiences, I might have a broader worldview. Right. I want to call right. it that. And so, you know, anytime you feel like the outsider or the new kid on the block, um, you're going to be more sensitive to somebody else coming along in that exactly. same situation. Exactly. And so, um, but, but really, worldview, experiences have played a lot in it. And, and I don't want to make 
this preachy, if you would, but but I'll say this much for sure. Uh, I do pray for favor from God with other cultural groups on a daily basis. Uh, I believe that, you know, we can, we can try, we can be aware, we can be sensitive, we can bring in our worldview and our world experiences, but we also need uh, favor is the word I use. Yeah. And I, I believe that happens. I Just one quick example. I was invited to Montreal, Canada to preach at a Filipino conference, a large Filipino population there. And um, the first service I was slated to speak the man who was introducing me, who I'd met that weekend and had spent some time with him for about 36 hours, you know, off and on over a day and a half before it was my first time to speak. His introduction was, to me, kind of comical. He says, uh, the next speaker is coming now. Don't look at the color of his skin because, <laughs> because his heart is Filipino. That was exactly oh, man. the choice of words that he had. And of course, you know, I want, if I'm speaking in a Chinese convention, I want them to think my heart's Chinese. You know, I don't, oh, I, yeah, want, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want that to happen everywhere that I go because, um, and, and you, that doesn't just happen. You don't just get a guy from South Mississippi who was a drug dealer that can go somewhere else in the world and have a Filipino man introduce him as his heart is Filipino. So I, I think that I can do as much as I can, but yeah, when I get to the end of what I can do, there's got to be more. Well, and that's also, I think, indicative of how you already referenced this. You already alluded to this, but you didn't necessarily change speeds when you were going uh, forward in your efforts to please you know, what you thought was right to please within yourself. You didn't really change speeds. You just changed direction. Like you mentioned that earlier and not to toot your own horn for you, but I think the clear, obvious reference in the Bible for someone who maybe did the same type of thing would have been a guy like uh, the apostle Paul because of how I think, you know, just active he was in both directions of either persecuting the church and then it flipping around to uh, building the church, right? And I think right. it's really cool. Here's here's something that just now popped into my head, actually, that I wanted to ask you. Um, do you think that in the middle of that searching, because the, the show is obviously about the soul, the inner person developing into who they were supposed to be the whole time and realizing that growing and developing never stops, but that that is really the journey itself. Um, do yeah. you think looking back on it now that whenever you were searching for, like you said at the beginning, you were searching for God, you were searching for answers. Did you know that you were searching for God specifically, or do you feel like you just had a general emptiness and you didn't know what you were searching for, but you were just open? Like, do you think that it was more narrowed to the church and God and, and you know, that specific, or was it really broad? I think it was more broad. I think it was more just, whatever uh yeah. in general i mean again having witnessed what i did and uh, right you know a couple of more pieces of that part of my life just for reference i had had three friends who were spending time in the penitentiary and i had seven other friends who i would, had been a pallbearer for in their funeral 
So one of the six people closest to them that their parents would ask me to to be a pallbearer. So uh, due to drug-related, alcohol-related, accident, whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, at 17, 18 years old, when nine of your friends are either dead or in prison, you know, I didn't like either one of those options. Yeah. So there had to be a door number three. And I didn't yeah. know what it was, but I, that's what began that search. I, I didn't really think the... it was religion because I felt like, from what I'd been taught as a child, that that I was had checked that box and I was good in that area. Mm-hmm. But when the man, you know, killed a couple people and I saw it, I had the thought in the back of my head, you know, maybe I'm not What's good going in that on? area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I need to search that out a little bit more. So, <clears throat> and also. Um... You know, the story that I've heard my whole life growing up that has always stuck real close with me, and I've shared it with several people in one-on-one settings, group settings, whatever, um, church settings, uh, settings outside of church. The the time whenever, and you can expound on this if you want to, you don't have to, but the story of whenever you uh, ended up, I guess, approaching, maybe this is the same murder case you were talking about, maybe it was a different one, I don't know, but... Um, whenever someone had killed your friend right in front of you and you basically had looked at them and said, the next time I see you, I'm going to return the favor. Right. Right, And then it ended up going in a way where your life transitioned into this, uh, soul searching endeavor, you know, and, and by the end of that whole specific, uh, situation, the next time you saw him, which if you had kept your word, you would have kind of you know <laughs> return the favor um he, right, he ends right. up you end up you end up running to him on your way to church because by that point you had already at least found some answers if not the answer that you were looking right. for and i always remember that story how intense that that must have been both not only for that guy but for you because yeah i mean the 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 guy jeff reddy you know who was one way before and now he's another way over here. I'm sure that must have sparked something within you to maybe, you know, not have the urge to want to do that, but respond that way. But I mean, for sure it it at least ignited the memory. And I think that's definitely a God moment for sure. I don't think anyone can argue with that, that that's a God moment, not only for the person uh, we refer to, but also for yourself, you know, and that's really, really cool. Um, most, as far as most of that, right, that was pretty close, but, uh, the friend didn't die, thankfully, but he was stabbed and I did okay, tell the yes. guy who stabbed him that next time I saw him, I was going to kill him. And okay. the next time I saw him was, I was a visitor to a church and okay. he was already a member of that church. Ah, and, uh, okay. I, I saw him during the worship time when he was worshiping God and I thought, well, you can't really kill that guy. So... <laughs> You know I guess what? you could, but it would look real bad. <laughs> yeah, the timing would be off. But, um, you know, since this is about the soul and soul care, um, yeah. that was just my, I believe that was just some, somehow me being protected from my own foolishness. Because obviously if I killed a guy, I'd probably be in prison. You know what I mean? So a lot mm-hmm. of things would have changed. And uh, it was just mercy or whatever grace whatever you want to call it that uh, protected me from allowing my inner man making the probably one of the worst decisions of my life oh yeah for sure 
Okay, so then jump now from all of that to you're you're doing the multicultural ministries thing. You've already talked about how you visited certain uh, places. You know, you're basically traveling all over. Um, I had another specific question to that now part of your life, which is what you're doing currently. Um, for people that are listening to this, whether they're the type to attend a church or if they're one to believe in the Bible, you know, or if they aren't even, I think this question is very important, not maybe for, uh, I don't know, not, this maybe isn't the, the type of question that everyone's just burning to know the answer, but knowing the answer to this question, I think can definitely spark an interesting perspective when someone is either thinking about going to church for the first time all the way to the person that's been going to church their whole life. Because let's face it, you've got people right now that have been going to church their whole life, and yet their worldview is just as uh, limited and small and close-minded and just unaware, really, because they've only been doing the one thing. Now, they may have been doing right. a good thing or even the right thing, if you want to make that argument. That's fine. But still, their perspective can be more broad. And right. so I wanted to ask you this question, since you personally have had these experiences and you've had a chance to see it firsthand, what are some of maybe the common denominators between various cultures across North American churches that you've personally been to that you can point out and say, hey, these people are totally different from these people, yet they have this in common? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you, you can look at that a couple of different ways. You could think about uh, cultural universals, if you want to call it that, things that are similar in every culture. For example, uh, just throw some out here. Every culture has a, has an educational system, some way of transferring their knowledge to the next generation. Uh-huh. Um, they may not all in, look like someone else's. Like our education system probably looks completely different than a, a tribe in the jungles of the Amazon, but they're still sure. passing down they the information. Got yeah. They got something. Uh, or maybe a system of communicating verbally or non-verbally or um, things like uh, food taboos, I'd call it, things that they won't eat for whatever reason. Um, you know, and th- but then also they, every culture has a system of supernatural beliefs, no matter what that is. Um, and right. And they all approach, you know, let's say um, God, you know, you call it high power, whatever. They all approach it in their own way. But still, every culture has that element. Um, it, may, it may look completely different than Christianity, but it's still a recognition of uh, supernatural beliefs. For example, um, as you obviously know, I pastored a church in northern Arizona for five years, and we uh, had about 65% of our church was Native American from nine different tribes. And so when we were dealing with the different tribes, mm. you know, of course, the people there were part of my church, so they they had a church culture. Um, yeah. and, and I believe the church does have a culture all of its own, but the reality is people come at whatever level they're comfortable with. So not everybody coming has fully, uh, you know, bought in 
hook, line, and sinker, as they say, like maybe I have. And so they still have some cultural things that maybe bleed over into their their beliefs. And even within the Native American culture, Navajo has a completely different supernatural belief system than an Apache would. Right. And we had right, both right, right. in our church. So you have awesome. to be able to communicate with them at their level, you know, and reach them at their level. Um, seeing some things they have in common, at least in North America, uh, you know, because these guys are from other places, but they came here for a reason. And most of them came here to better themselves financially, provide for their family. Um, so they, they're not Western culture. They're not American or Canadian or whatever, Northern, uh, North American culture, but yeah. they're intrigued by it and they want to, uh, to learn it. And so, uh, I think the thing is everybody, let's just take it from a church perspective. They all worship. They may worship completely different than I do right, and that's okay. Right. So that's where exactly. we have to get to the point where we say, look, they do it different than me, but that's okay. Um, and I have this visual in my head of like, you know, some good old boy from down south is visiting a family member in Wisconsin, and they go to their church on Sunday morning because that's what you do, and they show up, and then they're probably like looking at their wife like, babe, they don't even have a steel guitar. What are they going to do for worship? <laughs> like, that would be right. that would be so funny for me to see that, but but at the same time, it's it's revealing to the fact that even if it's different, the uh, intention at least should be uh, the same, and it should be right. It should be something that we can all kind of tap into and agree on. Which, if and again, if you're listening to this, you're listening to our conversation, you're not one to believe in this type of thing. 100% okay with that. This is exactly uh, the type of show for you. But if you are one to sort of believe in the power of that, it reminds you that whenever god is moving it's god that's moving and therefore the process of how he moves through people the way that they express it and all that stuff it could look totally different from one culture to the next but it's still the same god or at least it can yeah. be the same god you know what i mean right no that's exactly right because you know the, the thing is people come from all different walks of life all different cultures and if their cultural belief Let's say their spiritual belief culturally um, and tradition is um, against God or contrary to, you know, what what God tells us through his word or whatever. Then, you know, you might want to recommend, hey, here's some reasons why that might not be pleasing to God. But yeah. there's a lot of their culture. There's a lot of their traditions that are just that they're just traditions. And mm -hmm. so why should I expect them to give up who they are when right. I haven't given up who I am? You know, I'm still, <laughs> I still, you know, shoot fireworks on the 4th of July and, and uh, eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Well, that's traditions and it's perfectly fine. So uh, I think that's it. They let them be who they are. Let them worship God the way they worship God um, and, and accept that. And that'll go a long way to being um, accepted into all the cultures universally that that's part of the reason why they said I had a Filipino heart because the night before I sat down and ate a traditional Filipino meal 
with them. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't order a pizza. You, you, know? you should have said, uh, you should have got up there and corrected him and said, actually, he meant to say that I have uh, Filipino heartburn. That's what you should have said. <laughs> heartburn, right? <laughs> okay, and then so on that, and this is a totally like this is a rabbit hole that we probably shouldn't go down and this is where i can put out the uh the um you know warning that this is obviously an uncensored interview here but uh if you disagree with what i'm about to say next anyone that's listening to this i apologize but i'm gonna say it anyway there was an experience i had where a friend of mine in a uh, church setting uh responded to the spirit of god in a powerful way was in the altar in a prayer moment reaching out to god the the spirit was doing incredible things um it was an honest moment it was real and that friend of mine happened to also at the same moment uh somehow he didn't catch flames for this but he uh was wearing a hat right and then someone in that church who knew me actually approached me and it blew my mind obviously because i remembered it years later but it blew my mind because this guy like who are you guy you know he comes up to me and he was like hey your buddy's got a hat on and i was like yeah yeah what of it what's it to you you know and he says well it's just pretty disrespectful that he has a hat on and i was trying to you know this guy obviously recognizes respect so i didn't want to be disrespectful to him i was a young uh silly teenager and he was an adult with all the answers so he obviously didn't hear what i wanted to tell him but i wanted to say uh first of all between the two of you he's praying and you're not uh that's the first thing the second thing right. third thing fourth thing and i could keep going and i won't but he, he has it in his mind so uh, drilled into his belief system and more power to him if this is where he's really at. If he cannot wear a hat and be trusted to uh, truly experience God's presence because of it, then he needs to take that hat off if he's going to church. But don't discredit this guy's experience just because of something that's you know not perfectly lining up with your own worldview, especially I mean, anyone listening to this nowadays can agree that obviously something like that with it being an issue of wearing a hat and stuff like that, if the person is really sincerely reaching out to God, most people, I feel like, uh, have <laughs> can say that that's obviously a ridiculous thing to, to discredit someone for that reason. But it does speak to that very thing that all of us need to realize, whether we're new to church, and I think it could be comforting for people that are new to church— that there is a way, no matter what background I've come from, and obviously we've spoken about that with your own experiences, no matter what background I come from and no matter what cultures uh, I'm even involved with right now or the culture I find myself in today, that doesn't mean that I cannot experience um, God. It doesn't mean that I can't experience growth and development and that I can't you know, eventually learn more of who I am, who I'm supposed to be and keep moving forward with life right exactly so let me ask you this because this would be i guess the perfect follow-up question to that um if you were to i guess have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody if you're going to have a conversation with someone who 
um, you you know because you know them or they've expressed it to you or whatever that they don't believe in God, they don't believe in uh, Jesus, they don't believe in the church, they don't believe the Bible, any of that stuff, that same stuff that you believe in because of the issue of cultures being so different, the issue of backgrounds being so different and everything like that, and also for the simple fact that there's a lot of people out there giving God a bad name. I, I normally tell our youth group that the church is never the problem. It's usually people that mess it up. But uh, the the um, the the way I guess that you would approach someone who is a non-believer, uh, if you were to try and reach them for God or at least be a representative of who God is, how would your approach look if you were to do that specifically for someone who does not believe the same way as you? Right. Well, um, you know, for me, this is a cliche, but we've always said, you know, make a friend, then make a disciple. What that means is I can't just go to somebody and say, hey, let me tell you about church. Or yeah. uh, the Bible says you have to do this, this, and this. And if you haven't done that, you're in trouble. You know, that's like, <laughs> you know, there's more than one way to say something. I know you've heard me say this a lot, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right here. Uh, Say it. I could I could tell your mom, you know, when I look at you, time stands still. <laughs> or I could say, you Say got it. a face that would stop a clock. Stop a clock, baby. So obviously I just said the same thing, but I promise you she didn't hear the same thing. That's so the difference between one. dinner and snack. Yeah, or dinner and doghouse. Dinner but, uh, and breakfast later. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, you have to be wise in approaching people, uh, kind of try to feel them out to see if they're even interested. Obviously, you can't you can't tell somebody anything if they're if they're not open to hearing it. But the only way you're going to know that is be their friend. Make make it about them. Uh, here's another cliche you've heard me say before. But uh, when you walk into a room and you see somebody, do you, you walk in with the uh, attitude of here I am, you know, like now the party can start. I'm here. Or do you walk into a room and see that person with the thought of there you are, uh, and make it about them, you know, here I People, am versus there you are. Yeah. And when it's there, you are, it's about them concerned about who they are, what they're doing, you know, you involved in, and it's not just so I can get to the next step of converting you to my beliefs. But yeah. genuine care, genuine friendship, genuine concern. And, and I would say for any people who are listening that, that are Christian, uh, who want to, to try to reach other people, um, you know, take the pressure off of yourself. Just be people's friend. Be genuine. Be yes. real. And, and don't be afraid to be friends with somebody who doesn't believe the same thing you do. You know, mm. you know who you are. You know what you believe. You know, you don't have to worry about them, or at least you shouldn't have to worry about them contaminating your experience. Your experiences are real, and they and you and you have them. So, uh, if you start to get into an area of of doubt, or maybe you've been, you know, out of balance, well, then you just go back to your experiences, you get back to your roots and your beliefs, and you refocus. But, but you know, I've got friends like on Facebook, for example. I've got friends all over the world, and uh, some of those connections around the world are through church. 
because of my my job with multicultural ministries, but I also have friends who are all different belief systems. A lot of folks I went to high school with, or people that I've connected to through my work over through the years, and uh, and I try to treat them all the same, you know. And if they don't ask about religion, or if they don't give me a question that sounds like they're looking for something different, I don't push it on them. But you know, if they do say something like, man, life is tough, or I'm going through a rough patch, or my spouse just passed away, or I just ended up in a divorce, or something like that, then maybe I'll take that opportunity to give a word of encouragement, try to start a conversation, and then, uh, you know, build on where people are. Like, for example, you have people out there who wouldn't claim to be Christian, but they have no issue with the Bible. They think the Bible probably is accurate as far as uh, the Word of God. And, and I know there are people who, who believe that because it was written 1,500 years ago by several different authors, you know, or over a 1,500 year period, I should say, uh, several different right. authors. And the probability of that book surviving is very, very limited. And so I know people who aren't Christian that say, yeah, I don't have any problem with the Bible. Well, if they're interested, I can take them to the Bible and I can walk them through the steps of uh, getting connected to God. Other people might say they don't believe in the Bible. That's all right. What I want to do is I want to be with them in a, in a moment, in a time of vulnerability where we can have a spiritual moment. And they may not believe the Bible, but they can't deny the experience. And so you have to find out who they are and where they're coming from. The only way to do that is to be a friend and uh, you know, let down your defenses. I'm not saying change who you are to be like someone, right. but be willing yeah. to put yourself out there and, and be with them. I don't know if that's the answer you were hoping for, but well, that's, that's what my perfect. I mean, I, I love that answer because, you know, one thing that, I mean, let's be honest, and right now I'm looking at all the other people that would be maybe listening to this right now. Um, obviously, this is kind of a funny type of thing for me to do, interviewing my own dad. A lot of these <laughs> ideas and concepts we've talked about before, you know, and quite frankly, there are certain things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that this is different from just a regular phone call. And I'm going to do what I probably normally wouldn't do um, and say that there there is a lot of things about uh, you that have, because of impressing me and making an impression, really, that I always think about, always remember, and I aspire to be like in certain ways. And one of those is uh, I've, I've always loved it any time that I've heard you say that, yeah, I'm, I may not know a lot about something, but I know a little bit about a lot of things. And right. that's the, that's the type of statement that you'll make um, frequently. And the reason behind it, or the I guess the motive behind bringing that up, is to basically communicate that you can have a conversation with anybody about anything. Right. If it's about cars, you can do it. If it's about soccer, you can do it. If it's about action movies, you can do it. If it's about food, you can do it. If it's about the Bible, yeah. you can do it. If it's about other cultures, you can do it. Traveling, you can do it. Um, even uh, even flowers in your flower bed. If I come to your door, uh, I know yeah. the difference between a peony, a salvia, and a pansy. And yes. that doesn't make that doesn't make me a pansy. <laughs> what, <laughs> what that means is 
I had a I had a mom who had flower beds, and I was a curious right. child. And I asked, right. "What is this? What is that?" And so when I walk to your door, if I'm just selling vacuums door to door, and everybody wants to slam the door in your face, and a, a middle aged lady answers the door, and I say, "Wow, your peonies really have done well this spring." Well, then tears down her defenses that yeah. I recognized her effort. And even knew the type of flower that it was. And now I can have a conversation with that lady. And it may that, only that's be about exactly flowers, the point. but it's yeah. making connections. And that's the deal. That that ability to um, let people know that, hey, I'm just me. And, and you can be you. And we can be us together in this moment. Even if it goes for a 30-year friendship or a 30-second conversation about pansies, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which, yeah. that was well, another one I could say, is that if they're... Go ahead. I was just going to say that if, if if that person you're talking to, if their thing is wordplay, obviously you just proved it, that you can you can uh, hang. So, that's another area. For the Christian who's looking to make a difference in somebody's world, or, or really anybody who's looking to brighten someone's day, maybe make their life a little bit better. Uh, when I said take the pressure off, here's another part of that. We don't need to assume that when I knock on that lady's door and we talk about flowers and, and she smiles because I recognize what her flowers are. And yeah. then in three or four minutes I leave and we never see each other again. We don't need to put pressure on ourselves to say I failed because in that three or four minutes I didn't, somehow make her a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because number one, that's not going to happen in three or four minutes, no matter what. So uh, no matter where she's at on her journey. Uh, but what we need to trust is that before she ever came on my radar, before I ever met her, or even knew who she was, she was already on God's radar. And so after I right. walk away, she's still on God's radar. So what's going to happen, hopefully, is if I even mention God or Jesus or church or whatever, um, you know, she may not be interested, but somewhere down the line, six months later, she's going to run into somebody else. And she's going to say, you know, that guy that recognized my flower bed was talking about that same thing. And, and it's marinated now for six months because she's still on God's radar is what I call it. But, you know, it's not like she didn't get everything she needed in that three minute window. So, so she's doomed forever, you know, but and one man plants. Thing, right. And other waters. Right. Yeah. But, and then the other part of it is even if all she did get was that three minutes, if you brightened her day, that's still important. That's oh, still yeah. valuable to the soul because that's what yes. the soul needs is those positive moments and uh, reinforcement of, you know, things are going to be okay my effort in this flower, since I'm on that analogy, I'll stay with it. My effort in this flower garden was not in vain. Somebody recognized the time and energy I put into it. And that does somebody so well uh, to get them through to the next day, which sometimes is what we need. 100%. And I think also like what I'll talk to the youth group about a lot is uh, certain experiences where I, where I have been working a secular job um, and I've worked with other I'm doing finger quotes here. Other Christians that, you know, more specifically to give an exact example, I had a boss one time at this auto shop I was working at where that boss was a Christian. And if he wasn't spending his time 
yelling and uh, cussing out the technicians for messing something up on a car, not doing something quick enough or whatever, if he wasn't doing that and representing himself that way, then he was reminding all of them that because of their sin, that uh, not if they die tonight, but when you die, dot, 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 that you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And, And I had an experience literally where one of the, like persona wise one of the hardest dudes that you could ever meet like you know how people say like oh if uh if i need to take care of somebody i got a guy who can set it up yeah. well this the, this guy was the guy that that guy called you know what i'm saying right, <laughs> so right. it, he was he was a just a hard a yeah he was the guy you know and he was just yeah. a hard dude and it came it came up i think just through random chance i think it happened to uh come out whenever i said okay well um i'm actually leaving a little early today oh what are you doing oh i'm going to this church thing yeah that's my wife and i were the student pastors of our local church this and that or maybe you know a situation could have happened where like oh you're from kansas city okay well why are you in san antonio you know oh well we moved down here to work with our local church um i had that guy come up to me his name was chris and like like that wouldn't be believable like like i'm making it up (laughs) but i pick chris yeah, his name yeah. was uh his 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 Alfonso. name was uh, Alfonso. His his name was uh yeah, you know, it, you get it. So, no, but Chris Chris I remember Chris specifically this guy, he came up to me and he said, uh, man, I just wanted to say thank you. It's like the middle of the day. It was like 2:30 in the afternoon in the middle of the week too. He came come up to me and goes, "I just want to say thank you." I was like, "Why? For what? What did I do?" And yeah. I thought he was going to be sarcastic and start messing with me like he always used to. And he said, no, I just wanted to say thank you because guys like that, and he pointed at the boss, he said, guys mm-hmm. like that really make me mad. He didn't use those words, but yeah, he's, right. communicating, yeah. he's communicating the same thing. He said, guys like that really make me mad because they represent something, or at least they say they do, and then they act another way when the situation flips. And ever since I've met you, it didn't surprise not, me, first yeah. of all. He said he told me he goes it didn't surprise me to find out that you were a Christian, and yeah, then he good. said afterwards, and then he said after that he goes um, the most important thing that you can do is uh, stay consistent no matter what, and then he said also thank you for not shoving it down my throat, and that kind of idea you know we've heard that phrase forever everyone's always said it don't shove things down people's throat like that, but the analogy that we kind of use in the youth group. Uh, pretty regularly is to say that if if you have to force feed someone whatever it is that you're feeding them they're not gonna enjoy it or appreciate it first of all and then second of all they may truly believe that because they've been eating on something else that they don't even need it and if a relationship with god and if a relationship with jesus is supposed to be something like like honest from that person's point of view or perspective then if they're forced into it then it's not a real relationship so there's really no point in trying to waste your time or anyone else's time creating some pseudo uh relationship between that person and god because you just you told them that they're better off that way for some dumb reason yeah you know it it would be a lot better use of your time and energy just to be consistent which is sort of what you know you're talking about like whether it's plants or uh cars or if it's animals or whatever you know you you can you can talk to them about it because your goal is to be able to communicate with people and to do that well but also for them to recognize that you are consistent the same jeff that they're gonna see 
uh, in church is the same one that they'll see at the gas station on a Thursday. And I think that's great. I think that's a good thing. Um, that's really important. So let's see. Let's see. So you've had crazy experiences from one end to the other, both epically horrible and, you know, epically good. I, I think that obviously there is something to be said from having all of those experiences and the pendulum swinging from one side to the other, uh, experiencing a variety of different things in your life out of, out of all of that, if it's possible and if it's not, I get it, but if it's possible, can you maybe tell me what is the most valuable life lesson that you have learned so far and whether it relates specific to Christianity or not, it can, or it doesn't have to, um, for you personally, Maybe it's not a life lesson that you're trying to teach someone else, right? But maybe yeah. um, something you just personally have learned and it stuck with you the whole time. What what would you say that could be? Yeah, I, I would think, and that's a tough question, obviously, because it could be a lot of different things. But just uh, just thinking about it, I would think that a valuable life lesson, maybe the most valuable life lesson for me would be life is a marathon, not a sprint. There you go. Um, what I mean by that is don't think that just because things haven't worked out yet the way you thought they would, that they never will. Uh, really, always hold on to hope. So there's your Christian hook if you want it. But but hope <laughs> is still important for the non-Christian. You know, you still oh, yeah. have to be positive. I, I, I could tell you multiple times of people I've been connected with. Uh, some had a church connection, some didn't. But they'd come down with something like an incurable cancer. And if they had this attitude of, well, it's over, then sure enough, within six to nine months, it was over. But other people were like, you know what? I can beat this. I'm positive about it. I'm going to hold on to hope. I'm going to get the treatment I need, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I got life left to live and I've seen them live for years. And so uh, I think there's something to that, you know? And uh, one thing I, I, I read a while back, I, I I read a lot, and um, I'm kind of into don't don't laugh at me, but I'm into reading about our former presidents and some nice. of the founding fathers and some of the things they did and believed. And I read a I read a quote said of the hundred most influential people in American history, the average age when they became influential was 57. Well, well wow. you know. Um, your audience most likely is nowhere close to 57. Let's just be honest. I'm not even 57. I, <laughs> I beg to differ. I beg to I'm, differ. I'm just kidding. I'm 51 in case you couldn't remember, but that that'll change here in about a week, but a uh, week or so. But anyway, um, that's a kind of a hint that you got to get me a present next week. But, uh, Hey, I'm, know, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, this, no, this interview is this interview <laughs> i knew it was coming so you know these guys didn't even reach their prime of being an influencer until the average age of 57 benjamin franklin all those guys so um don't feel like there's no hope life is over i had a guy that worked for me one time he was 18 years old and he would come to work on monday and he would be dragging and his shoulders down and his head down and he would say, oh, is it Friday yet? And it's like, dude, you know, you've got to pace yourself. you got to work about 50 more years <laughs> till yeah. you're 68 before you can even think about retirement. 
and uh, you can't already be given up at 18. And uh, so basically with this idea of it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, another quote that I read I thought was kind of interesting. It said it takes 13 hours to build a Toyota, but it takes yep. six months to build a Rolls Royce. Yep, sure does. And so depending on, you know, how valuable you want your life to be and how much you want it to count you, you have to go through some things to get where you want to be so well and we live life. so we live like in a self like an immediate gratification right. world where like i heard a comedian say one time how um he says you know there used to be because he, he's talking about how all of our phones are also a computer and he's making jokes about that and he was saying how You've got the answer to every question in your pocket. He said back in the day, if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from, you just didn't know. And he was going on about that. And and he and then he made this joke and everyone laughed and it was this funny moment, but it really stuck with me, obviously. Uh, he said that, you know, nowadays you just grab your phone because you woke up on a Thursday and you go, hmm, where's Tom Petty from? A few seconds go by. Oh, Florida. And so he yeah. says that there's there's no he says there's no time to not know something and therefore once you know it the value of knowing it is out the window and then he it's, says so life is meaningless and it's it this big cheapens it. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it does, cheapens it. Yeah. It cheapens it absolutely. And that's a big thing as far as um just you know the value of life itself like you just said that if you treat it like that then you're number 1 like that guy you're going to wear yourself out but then also you're not going to be able to value what you're actually experiencing. One thing actually that that you have not yet mentioned, um, and you can talk about it if you if you'd like to. But one thing that I think is super super cool that uh, <laughs> that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna exp I'm gonna expose you a little bit here. One thing I think is super cool is uh, there was this one time where we were in our basement in Kansas City, and. We were just chilling in the basement, and you were sitting on the couch, and things were starting to progress more. I think we were even planning at this point for uh, – we might have been planning for the wedding. I don't know, Ashlyn and myself, or maybe it was right before. But I think we were already planning for the wedding, and you were getting all sentimental and weird and talking about you know how things are just kind of getting closer and closer to a big immediate change. Your kids are going to be out of the house and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, emptiness and all that stuff. And – I don't know why I picked up on you uh, thinking this, but without any previous conversation about this, you were on the couch. I just remember you were there and you were like, you know what I've been thinking about? And I looked at you and without missing a beat, I said, you're going to adopt a kid. And you just laughed harder than the time that we went to the grocery store and you forgot your pin. And so you needed to go get cash. And so you went to the ATM and I was like, hey, but listen guy you need your pin for that and that was funny but what was funnier was that I, hey, <laughs> I didn't i didn't say i would tell the people what the pin was but anyway um yeah the uh the whole thing about yeah i think i'm gonna i think i'm thinking about doing this you know and then eventually not because you just went online and made it happen but eventually now you've got uh two massive changes to your own life do you want to tell everyone that may not know already what i'm referring to uh what those changes look like for you yeah so basically that story was um 
I said, you know what I'm thinking about? And you'll never guess it in a million years. And that, you that's said, right. That is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you made it more specific. You said you're thinking about adopting a Chinese baby. Chinese baby. <laughs> <laughs> and it floored me because I was thinking about the possibility of, of foster care or adoption. Well, then we moved. After you got married, moved to San Antonio. We moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. Got involved with Native American ministries and things. And somewhere along the line, after a year or so, we got involved with foster care. And uh, through a connection at our church, a lady in our church, it was her grandson, uh, because the her daughter, which would be his mom, <laughs> was having some problems. And so we got involved with foster care. Another baby was born 11 months later. We ended up with her in our foster care. And that rocked on for two and a half years. And as of January of 2019, we've adopted two Navajo children that are uh, the ages of three. We just turned three yeah. last week. And, that's, and then we'll be four later this month. And um, if you didn't feel old yet, you're twice my age. And I have a boy who's going to be ages. two this month. And four in August. <laughs> yes. So my grandsons and my two youngest children are basically the same ages. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so the reason I wanted to bring it up. They're not. They're not so you, you were wrong. That's the point. I was. I was completely wrong. And and you know what else? I was completely wrong because you weren't going to end up uh, adopting a Chinese baby. You were going to end up do- adopting two Navajo no. babies. That's right. Um I got it wrong twice because I missed the other one completely. But um, <laughs> so the reason I wanted to bring that up too, I mean, you know, come on, like things. It's a great story. I guess I think as far as well, I think as far as just like the minor details that you, you know, you obviously you didn't want to maybe bring that up because you're the type you're like me where you don't you don't want to necessarily just say things just in order to get a pat on the back or anything like that. But I think what's really awesome. Um, is that, you know, we're talking obviously about the progression of your life leading one thing to the next and how whenever it comes to these ideas that you believe in and you speak to other people across the country and everything like that, both you and mom (laughs) are both not only just talking about it, but you're living it too in in the fact that obviously, you know, both of you guys are playing huge roles in raising these two babies, my little brother and sister, that uh, <laughs> you know, that are now given a better opportunity because of because of that. So I just think that's really cool. But yeah. uh, I got one more, technically one more question for you, and it's um, it's another pretty pretty broad kind of ocean of possible answers that you would probably pick from, knowing you, because you're that type of guy. But yeah. um, since we're talking, obviously, it's Soul Binge Podcast. We've been talking about the soul, what the soul needs to make it so far on this program, and that's the goal going forward still. If you can, can you maybe tell us or pick one, maybe two uh, specific things that the soul needs in order to survive and thrive? What is something you can say that across the board, everyone's included in this, no matter who you are, where you are, where you're from, where you're going specifically, uh, where you're at today, these are things, or this is a thing that in order to make it on this journey, this is something that your soul needs to survive. 
Well, let me say this. You know, we're all of us are made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Um, that's the makeup of every one of us. And kind of how that break down, breaks down is our, our body is how we connect in the physical realm. Um, where our spirit is how we connect to God. So right. even if someone's not religious, that, that really comes into play on the spirit more than the soul. Our soul is basically who we are, our conscious, our thought process, our, you know, it, it's basically, you know, a lot of people be, believe what you, you are a body and you have a soul, but that's not true. You're a soul that has a body. One day the body's going to die and go back to dust, but the soul, you know, and it really depends on your personal belief system, but the soul is forever. Whether some people believe in reincarnation, others believe in eternal life um yeah whatever but the soul is what lives on not the body and not even the spirit the spirit is really just how you connect supernaturally to god or higher power or whatever you want to say uh while you're away from god while you're on the earth and so we're, we're obviously focusing on the soul but let me let me ask it this way how long do you, does it take to get ready in the morning i mean for women or men we shower, we fix our hair, we brush our teeth, we do the best we can to look beautiful on the outside, but we rarely give any thought to enhancing the soul on the inside. Mm. So it's kind of like the fixation that we have with impressing one another has led to the, the cliche or the adage of beauty is only skin deep, but it yeah. goes all the way to the bone. <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> so, so when external beauty is like a manifestation of our healthy soul, though, well, then that it feels authentic. It's real and it's it's attractive. Uh, it's not attractive in the ways of outward beauty. It's attractive because you know that that person's comfortable being who they are. They're, you know, content. So but the flip side, though, is when the soul is drowning or starving or, or ignored Everything you try to do on the outside is going to be futile. It's not going to really satisfy. So yeah. beauty is much more all-encompassing than what society wants you to believe. Um, I've told that the uh, I've told the youth group like, look, especially with them being teenagers, like, look, you would never, you wouldn't expect your phone. Let's say you didn't charge it the night before, and it's got three percent left. You wouldn't expect your phone to make it throughout the rest of the day without plugging it in, yet we don't plug in our soul to the thing we need to yeah. survive either throughout the day, the week, whatever. You know, uh, It's a secondary thing. And even for the specific person when you're talking about church, they go to church as sort of a – a lot of people go to church <laughs> as sort of a last resort because everything's falling apart. And I think an argument can honestly be made that if the soul was being fed properly – then maybe those things initially wouldn't even be falling apart. And if they do, you wouldn't freak out nearly as bad because you already know what you need to do to get yourself uh, either going again or continue down the right path. Right. Yeah, see, I think we're all born with an intense need to feel loved, significant, valued, accepted, whatever you want to call it. But sometimes we feel like we have a fear that we're not worthy of these things. So the, the danger is we pretend to be the people that we think society wants us to be in order to meet the desperate need of our soul. And that's dangerous. 
Yeah, yeah, when I start sure. being somebody else because I think that's what others want, then my soul is completely um, undone. So it, it's kind of, I don't know, to, to put it in a an everyday analogy, I'd say what food, air, water, sleep are to your body, attention, approval, significance, acceptance are to your soul. There you go. That's very good. If you're writing it down, if you have a tendency to write stuff down, you want to think more on later, that's that's probably a pretty pretty darn good takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, well, I really do appreciate you doing this with me. I mean, yeah, I've had, it, I've it's, had fun. It's a good it's a good thing I think to have more than just one voice, and I think that you know that's obviously the most disingenuous idea. For me to even try and think that there are people out there where I'm the only voice they're listening to, but <laughs> for yeah. anyone that's uh, for anyone that's been listening to the program, or if maybe this is um, something that you listen back to later, it's been posted on a previous day, but you go back and listen to it another time. Uh, I think that these thoughts, these ideas, no matter when they are communicated to someone, if they've got an ear to hear it, they'll hear what uh, ultimately they need to hear in order to have a, at the very least a more broad perspective and maybe even um, in a better sense have have something to tangible something tangible to grab hold of and I guess keep walking keep moving forward so thank you for yeah, doing this if, and if your uh, if your 26 year old voice is worth hearing then my almost 52 year old voice is twice as nice <laughs> hey just wait till you hit 57 then you're really gonna start doing some good things I might even write a book. <laughs> the day right, i became well, influential <laughs> yeah now I, now i can say something because you'll listen now i got some uh, oh, the, crib. the problem the problem is well the problem is that i know what that phrase means according to yeah. but um uh, <laughs> no the the problem is that if you're 57 that's gonna shut off all the other 26 year olds that think they don't need to hear about it so <laughs> it's kind of yeah. a double-edged sword they're gonna be like oh, oh man he's way too old to listen to <laughs> <laughs> he's out of touch he's he hasn't been relevant in 25 years <laughs> that's right okay well if you're listening to this again thank you for being here um next week we'll have some more content for you keep soul binging binge the soul searching process thank you for listening to this interview with my dad jeff reddy and yeah we're very excited to hopefully have you back on the next one if you are on social media uh facebook instagram you can search us there soul binge podcast on twitter it's just at soul binge and in the meantime be blessed and be back and we'll see you later do you want to sign us off pastor jeff well just thanks for allowing me to come on and um hopefully we were able to share a few things that might either encourage someone or at least gave them a good laugh tonight excellent very good we'll see you guys on the next one bye-bye